The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will soon be able afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. I've never had to make a hospital call because someone had lopped off a hand in an effort to enter life crippled rather than with two hands to go to hell. I consider that to be a very good thing, but I want to make sure that you all know why. It's not because Jesus doesn't mean what he says. That is one of the easiest ways to avoid the discomfort that God's word can evoke. To think that Jesus doesn't mean it. That somehow it's figurative or an exaggeration or that there's some spiritual meaning hidden behind the plain meaning of the words. It's hard to dodge in this case, though, because Jesus makes so much sense. Isn't it, in fact, better to enter life crippled than with two hands to wind up in hell? If with your hand you reach out and take what doesn't belong to you, or you strike out in anger against someone you hate, or you touch the unclean instead of the clean, or the unholy instead of the holy, wouldn't you, in fact, be better off without your hand? Jesus means what he says. But we all know that when you use your hand to sin, it's not actually your hand that is causing you to sin. Your hand's not really the problem. Maybe it was your feet your feet that brought you close enough to touch unclean and unholy things, your feet that brought you close enough to steal 
or close enough to do harm. So if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. Then again, we all know that your feet will only take you somewhere that your eyes have already seen. When you use your feet to draw close enough for your hands to sin, it's not really your feet that are at fault, it's your eyes. It's your eyes that saw something you wanted, that saw someone you hated, that saw the attraction of the unclean and the unholy. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. With such a vivid and graphic warning, how could you think that Jesus doesn't mean what he says? If it wasn't so clear, so unmistakable, it wouldn't bother us nearly so much. But really, when you think about it, what Jesus describes is a pretty low cost of admission to the kingdom of heaven. All things considered, if all it takes is that I lose a hand or a foot or an eye to inherit eternal life, it's well worth the cost. I can lose a hand or a foot and an eye and still carry on. I can still be me. And that should give us pause. Because we all know that it wasn't your hand or your foot or your eye that caused you to sin. It wasn't something so easily removed, something so separable from you. It's something deeper and more elemental. It's not something that you can just lop off and still carry on. It's your heart. It was your heart that wanted what didn't belong to you. It was your heart that hated the person you hurt. It was your heart that loved the unclean and the unholy instead of loving God and your neighbor. And so it's your heart that has to go. If your heart causes you to sin, what is there to do about it? You may think that by not having to lop off your hand or cut off your foot or gouge out your eye, you've managed to avoid some real discomfort. But dealing with a heart that causes you to sin is no less uncomfortable, no less painful than losing a limb. In fact, it is far more so. Because what you have to give up is not just some appendage. What you have to give up is all of the disordered love that keeps your sinful heart beating. You have to give up your fear, love, and trust in all of the things that draw your heart away from God. And that is excruciating. That is why baptism is not a trivial thing. It's a matter of life and death. It is much more like emergency surgery than a birthday party. It is the grave and serious business of Jesus creating in you a clean heart, of taking your old corrupted heart with him to the cross and resurrecting you with a new heart, his heart, a heart which does not cause you to sin, a heart which loves God and your neighbors, a heart that is pure and undefiled, that will endure when everything and everyone is salted with fire. 
Now that is a strange turn of phrase. Everyone will be salted with fire. You don't have to dig too deeply into the image to tell that Jesus is talking about a judgment of some sort. Hell is the place with an unquenchable fire, and now he says that everyone will be salted with fire. Even when Jesus is speaking figuratively, he means what he says. There has to be fire because of sin. There has to be salt because God is just. But salt, although it stings, also cleanses and preserves. Fire, although it consumes, also purifies. And that is why, for you, Christians, salting with fire is a good thing. God's judgment is, in fact, a good thing and is meant for your comfort. For you, what is on the other side of this crucible, this salting with fire, what's on the other side is life. You have been given a pure heart. Although the things that you suffer in this life grieve you now, trials and afflictions and resisting temptation, you are all along being salted with fire. Daily, your old corrupted heart is being burned away. Daily, your new and holy heart is being preserved. Daily, God is cleansing you of your disordered loves and filling you with love for him and for your neighbor. He is sanctifying you, making you holy, filling you with his goodness and mercy. And on the day of his coming, on the day of his judgment, you will be found blameless, without a trace of sin or guilt. No more death, no more tears, no more stumbling, no more trials or afflictions or temptation. You will be found blameless on account of the perfect atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, delivered to you in your baptism and preserved for you by his holy word and in his holy supper. On that great and glorious day, you will enter into his kingdom, into eternal life, whole and complete, with two hands, two feet, and two eyes, and most of all, with a pure heart. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.